0: Thank you. Welcome to Cursed Objects with me, Dr. Kasha T, historian and egg enthusiast.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, sure. And also me, Dan Hancock, uh, journalist, author and true believer. If you know, you know.
0: Ooh, <laughs> trying to set a kind of mystical tone here. Because yeah. usually on Cursed Objects, we don't really talk about the curse in the traditional sense. It's a little bit more like a kind of show and tell where every week one of us brings in an object and we discuss its cultural weight, you know, the 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 meanings, the cultural social worlds that surround it. But this week I feel like we are kind of dipping our toes slightly more into the not occultish but certainly yeah. more conspiracy um, Conspiracy driven ideas of our age. There's a bit
1: of a cult in there, certainly. There's a bit of the fantastical, the phantasmagorical. No, I don't know how to say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no one knows how to say it. No, no that. one knows. It's, it's, it's not even
1: really a word. Um, but yeah, we I can we, just about read it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I suppose this week we're going to talk about sort of ideas that are grounded in. The material conditions of reality versus some just truly bonkers stuff, mm, right? Mm. You know, um, uh, enjoyably bonkers at times and uh, disturbingly bonkers possibly at other times. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm trying to trying trying to keep the disturbing to a minimum, just yeah. because uh, I don't want to traumatise myself, you or our listeners. <laughs> yeah, there's enough
1: going on in the world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's keep it light, guys. Let's keep it light.
1: It will be light.
0: Um, so uh, I'm bring I've brought in an object.
1: Your turn this week. It's my
0: turn this week. And it is a little kind of like plastic egg, like Mm -hmm. hard egg. Almost like, you know, when you um, have a kinder egg, there's like an egg inside, but bigger. It's kind of like the size of a chicken's, like a hen's egg. Sure. And inside there's kind of like, kind of like some slimy stuff. And then a gelatinous, almost kind of like gummy, like sweet, like... Textured. I mean, you can't eat it. Don't eat it, listeners. Please don't try and eat it. <laughs> uh, oh my god!
1: Imagine of... the lawsuits. Oh my god, God. <laughs> please don't eat slime on my salary. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> please support our patron if you can.
1: <laughs> help us fight the slime lawsuits. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so there's this kind of uh, little little creature inside that looks like a little. It's well, it is a little alien, a little model kind of gummy plastic alien, mm-hmm. and. I know this doesn't seem that cursed it kind of just seems like a reflection of maybe like a wider culture that's interested in the ideas of aliens perhaps or the fact that like you know extraterrestrial life exists mm-hmm. but I was absolutely obsessed with this toy as a kid and it seems like I wasn't the only one like yeah. many of my peers yeah. so many of my peers were absolutely obsessed
1: what what's the target age group for so I you know I'm a bit older than Kasha um we straddle of, the
0: millennial boundary. We do, we do. <laughs> I'm a
1: millennial. She's a younger millennial. Um, will we get on? Let's, you know, <laughs> tune in to find out. It's a mismatched sort of buddy comedy, basically, yeah, this podcast. Uh, but yeah. yeah, as a result, I do not know anything about the weird alien egg toys that apparently your lot were obsessed with. We were, at, yeah. We so, so is it like were. seven-year-olds, sort of? I would say younger? primary school, yeah, certainly okay.
0: primary school. Um, there was such an obsession with it to the, to the extent that there was a really good Vice article, actually, written by... Isabel Aaron has written a really great article for Vice, basically, on the cultural memory history of these toys. Oh, no way. Because they sparked, oh, like, right. mad rumours, huge rumours swirled around these toys. So my personal, like, the personal rumour that I was invested in mm. was that if you get two of these toys, two, like, two aliens, so you yep. buy two, and then you put them back to back... Okay. maybe inside one of the... So they come in these hard kind of plastic eggs and you okay. put two two aliens <laughs> back-to-back in one of these eggs, yeah. they will reproduce.
1: Sure. They yeah. will create more eggs. <laughs> Oh, my God.
0: I know that sounds absolutely, like, <laughs> bonkers. I Your know kids. it sounds mad, yeah, yeah. but I cannot actually explain to you how invested I was in this. So there were, like, you know, ideas that... You do that, and obviously, when it didn't work because they're plastic,
1: yeah, doesn't doesn't the idea die? Well, on, this is immediately. the thing. This is the
0: thing. Then it Look, becomes, that hasn't happened. Then it becomes a kind of thing where actually. You just weren't doing it right, so you need to put it in the freezer.
1: Then you need to like, then you, know, you need
0: to swaddle it in a towel like it's a little chicken's egg, in it, in like the airing cupboard. You know, all of these things around it. It's
1: wonderful. Um, I love that there's this like really sophisticated, ritualistic sort of mythology. Mythology, exactly. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 is it? But let me ask you this: Is it sort of disseminated by the toy makers? in any way like are there leaflets or leaflets you know what I mean like does it come with a little booklet that says if you do this your alien you know will I can't you know-
0: remember that happening mm. but it's amazing that you touched on that because there was just such a um I think a clear investment in the idea that these toys were not just toys there was something extra about them mm-hmm. and it was it wasn't just it wasn't just urban legend it wasn't just kids although there was a lot of rumors around them There were so many rumours swirling around them.
1: Yeah, actually, my so I was telling my partner about what we were recording today, and uh, she was also uh, she was very invested in these as well as a kid, and the uh, that idea that if you put them back to back, they will reproduce, Mm. which she then informed me matter of factly turned out to be untrue. (laughs) (laughs) Shocking, shocking but true. Um, But that also at the turn of the millennium, on millennium, millennium eve, she put there was a millenarian conspiracy theory um, that. On, at the stroke of midnight, all of the alien babies would would suddenly appear and would, like take <laughs> over the earth and so and and again, they, you know, and they were like very small kids um, who I guess had been allowed to stay up till midnight. I'm not sure, but they were, you know, disappointed. They were at, yeah. they were at a New Year's Eve party with parents and like it again, it didn't happen. And then I suppose a lot like people that be, actual millenarians that believe you know that in the end of the world tomorrow or on a specific date that has been dictated by you know, reading every third line rune. of the Bible yeah. or whatever, exactly. Runes. All, all your runes. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's, got, everyone's got their runes and are studying their runes, trying to find out when the end of the world is. But like, when that doesn't happen, mm. you then have to sort of pick yourself up and go, "Okay, we may have, must have been slightly studying we miscalculated." The, yeah, yeah. Oh, I read the wrong rune. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. was it was Rune Volume Three, not not <laughs> Volume Two that sort of contains the real truth. Um, and yeah, the ability of, I guess. Because we're talking about conspiracy theorists today, the ability of conspiracy theorists to pick that, pick up their ideologies or their sort of views of the world and reconfigure them when it's mm. something punctures yeah. the you know obvious falsehood. Yes, is is kind of really fascinating in itself, like uh, that resilience. <laughs> well, this, is the,
0: this is the thing, you know. I was thinking about this, and I was like, right, if someone told me today. Mm you know they do actually reproduce you were just doing it wrong
1: <laughs> you were just doing it wrong and yeah. I found the way Yeah,
0: there is a part of me
1: no come on at <laughs> your, your, your big, age, that you'd st- big age that you'd still be like
0: I'd be yeah. like hmm <laughs>
1: okay plausible (laughs) yeah yeah
0: interesting let's look
1: let's just look at all the evidence okay we're just asking questions here even if
0: rationally i know that they were like you know they are made out of plastic they are like gelatinous plastic toys Mm. I so so was the mythology so were the rumors Mm -hmm. that swirled around at my very young and impressionable age yeah i think it was because as you say there wasn't just one rumor it wasn't just oh you put them back to back and They breed, yeah. and then you're like, Oh, they haven't done it. Okay, well, that's rubbish. Because then it was like, Oh, no, you're not doing it right. Oh, no, there's this. I
1: mean, and the, there's that. I just love the like creative, like, because assuming this hasn't somehow been seeded through marketing by the toy manufacturers, like the creativity of children, the imagination of children. I mean, something we've talked about on previous episodes, I think, um, ability to conjure worlds mm. around toys mm. that have not been handed down to them by the toy manufacturers because yeah. these are basically just bits of plastic that, you know, outside of maybe a, an advert, like, so there isn't a narrative. Like, wanna... like, you've created a narrative, you and all of the kids of North London, <laughs> in their, like, in the, wet, what, like, late early 2000s, late 90s.
0: I, do you know what? So I'm going to push back slightly because yeah. I do think that it was, like, an urban legend perpetuated by probably older kids to, like, the younger kids. Sure. And it was fostered in a climate of, like, 90s alien fascination, which we're going to come on to very, very shortly. Mm. But there was... In this, oh interesting, in this, the
1: older siblings you think, older were siblings? like X Files oh, yeah, fans were, and then they were Yeah they and were instrumental. Kind of, I mean the older siblings of the world are the kind of they are the Alex Jones of like <laughs> of siblings or whatever, yeah. like they are the ones that are. <laughs> Let like, me tell you something you know. Yeah, don't exactly. Mum won't tell you that. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Mum i.e. I, like the president and like yeah. you know, yeah. the say sort of you know yeah, they're the voice es- establishment of the media. Series. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: So in this in this amazing Vice article by Isabel Aaron, she um, I think she kind of gets to She kind of implies there's a strong sense she she tries to get in touch with the toy manufacturer of this oh, toy. Oh, cool! And basically. It's super weird because he's just not about. He's just like, no, I'm not engaging. Interesting. And then why? Well, someone Mm. else is like, well, apparently, like the toy industry is one of these industries that it sucks you back in, so you just have to cut all of your ties. I don't know. Wow. I feel like something. There's something clandestine, something strange going on there. Maybe a conspiracy. He's being held hostage
1: by alien babies. Yeah, by big alien.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But like these toys were hugely popular. They in total sold like 18 million pounds. Worth of these toys mm. during their peak, you know, you could you could barely find them in Woolworths. Loads of toy shops were trying to stock up on them, so much so that the uh, manufacturer H. Grossman actually had to fly stock in because mm. the ship, like the ships, were basically taking too long. There was wow. such to meet uh, the
1: demand. Yeah,
0: to meet the demand. And in this article, Isabel Aaron's kind of like talking to someone from the PR company associated with H. Grossman, even though she can't talk to H. Grossman themselves. Yeah. And there's there's a little bit of kind of pushback because there were like articles it wasn't just children that were kind of talking and perpetuating these narratives around the alien toys. There was like an article in the Guardian that was like talking about how an ambulance c- crew confused one of these alien toys with a fetus and rushed it to hospital. And then after that there was what? a spike <laughs>
1: That and cannot be the, true. I know. No.
0: And then afterwards, there was this, like, especially because they were like little green, little green dudes. Sure. Like, yeah. Look, I'm know.
1: I'm no pediatrician, but you know, <laughs> an alien, <laughs> a toy alien. Anyway, yeah. But Weird. You know,
0: well, this is the thing. Like, you know, how much of those stories were manufactured, and then after a story like that. Mm. There's like a huge spike again in the sales, so you know there must right. be something. Maybe a little bit PR. Let's keep our here. cynical
1: hats on. I mean, you know, and that goes for the entire episode. Really, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you know, well, si- I'm going
0: to keep my tin foil hat on. So do you yeah, have a okay, hat? okay That's yeah, the so dynamic we sure, can yeah. Sure, okay.
1: I'll be the skeptic today,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, because I do think that it, clearly, what I'm trying to get at here is there is an idea of an urban legend surrounding yeah. this these toys. But it also found a particular rooting in a kind of 90s culture mm. that also kind of touched on conspiracy theories, but was, was kind of at the end of the Cold War. And I think the Cold War is going to play quite a key part in these discussions. Mm, mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that there was just a real cultural appetite in the 90s not just for conspiracy theories, which is something that I think we're going to like really unpick in the second half of this episode, but specifically around the idea of aliens. And I mm. think that, you know, as as uh, cultural studies, uh, as people who are engaged in cultural studies, both you and I mm. are interested in the kind of the feel, right? The feel of an era and why yeah. something picked up and took off during that time.
1: Absolutely. So, yeah. So I suppose the the headline question is like, why were alien And UFO-related conspiracy theories so popular in the '90s, specifically, um, to the point that they really kind of took over mainstream culture. Um, Mm. You know, the the X-Files is the thing that really stands out for me as someone. So I was like 13ish, I think, when the Area 51. Maybe it's worth just actually explaining a little um, for people who don't know that there wasn't. And I'm not an expert in this stuff, but. That's sort of the point. Like, I'm not an expert in this stuff. I was never a sci-fi geek, and yet this stuff just permeated my brain. Anyway, Mm -hmm. there was an alien autopsy film um, which went pre-internet viral, I suppose you could say, Um, which is kind of remarkable, actually, given the distribution networks for a video. Like, you know, this wasn't... It wasn't put on BBC One at 9pm, which would be how most kind of mass <laughs> culture in video form would be mediated yeah, yeah. through one of the four. And then, you know, at some point in the early 90s, five TV channels that were really the only ones most people had um, outside of, you know, unless you were part of a small, really small minority that had Sky, a Sky uh, dish or whatever. Um, but The X-Files, on the other hand, was, you know, prime time TV show and it was something that people at my school, well certainly me and my friends were obsessed with, watched every single episode, Um, you know, Mulder and Scully attempt to find out the sort of, uh, the secret, and and, you know, The X-Files is not just a show about aliens existing and making contact with Earth and strange, slightly otherworldly things going on in the United States. Um, it's all story about the US state covering that up as well. Yes, Right. Yes. So, like, so, it's about the role of the, the, you know, this. that's where the conspiracy is, yes, like, this, <laughs> this the cover-up.
0: This is a key crux in conspiracy theories. So when I was just, like, Googling mm. what what is a conspiracy theory, because that's how historians do their yeah, research Yeah, Webster's Google. Dictionary
1: defines first <laughs> so objects as a podcast in which, sorry, go on, yeah. <laughs>
0: So it's a belief that some covert but influential organization is responsible for an unexplained event. So I think in terms of yeah, in all of the stories to do with aliens, it's not just, you know, we so don't just they exist. It's not that they exist because you know we don't know infinite universe, galaxy whatever. There's, you know, many, many parallel universes. Sci-fi I'm fan
1: sure. tea. <laughs> <laughs> Yadda, yadda, infinite galaxies, you know, cetera, the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But, you know, it's not just that. It's it's really about how the state covers up mm-hmm. the kind of the awareness or our awareness of extraterrestrial
1: life. Absol- yeah, absolutely. And so part of that, again, if you sort of aren't well-versed in this stuff, um, which for me is partly about age, I'm not a sci-fi fan. As I say, it was just pop culture when I was 13 mm-hmm. was, um, you know, Alien autopsy, X Files,
0: Catatonia. <laughs> oh and right, sure,
1: yeah. Didn't know where you were going with that, but yes, the uh, Welsh rock band Catatonia had a single called Mulder Paris and Scully.
0: Matthews loved it, <laughs>
1: <laughs> paying tribute to uh, paying tribute to the X Files. I mean, uh, and then also I was going to say Area Fifty One, which is really where the uh, role of the state in covering it up is, mm. um, you know, becomes part of the mythology, right? Yeah. Like, or is a key is a key part of the mythology. Uh, which is a a US military sort of property, I suppose, Mm -hmm. like um, that is in Nevada, uh, in, you know, very sparse, deserted part of the US. And the rumours are that, you know, that's where the alien autopsy takes place, Mm -hmm. that that's where experiments are being conducted on aliens, that UFOs um, have been downed or captured or something and explored on that secret military base. Obviously, secret military bases exist, and so they are somewhat a black box, knowing, mm. like, understanding what really goes on there is impossible, so they're obviously a breeding ground for conspiracy theories. But I think what's really interesting about this moment, like, the, the question I really want to know is, so why aliens in the 90s? The, I think the most direct, straightforward answer is, you have the end of the Cold War in 89, 90, the end of quote quote end of history as defined by francis fukuyama because we have reached the end of the clash of civilizations um that means that you know the threat of imminent nuclear destruction recedes massively um because you don't have uh the polar world of the soviet bloc and the us and its allies um sort of you know threatening Threatening kind of to kill to end human life as we know it, which you know our parents grew up with and lived with there in, you know, for most of their young lives. Um so you have this great sort of loosening up essentially. And then so then like what is the other that we're scared of at this point if it's not, you know, in in the West, anyway, if it's not the communists, if it's not the Soviet bloc, what is the other that the focus of attention, like, for a lot of conspiracy theories historically is on, like, an other that is secretly controlling the world. And that could be Jews, it could be Bolsheviks or communists. Masons. Masons is another big one. This goes back to, you know, centuries and centuries. The history of anti-Semitism is essentially the history of conspiracy theories mm-hmm. um, and, you know, like, racism that pervades, like, a large portion of, of the world or certainly Europe. And it's just a question of sort of replacing... The other that is the scary other that is actually the explanation for why your life sucks. So, and so so aliens in the 90s, like if this is the if we've reached the end of history, and for the capitalist West, it's a triumphalist, you know, the Soviet bloc is defeated. Hmm. We have reached the end of history, the perfection of human civilization has been reached. It is liberal democracy and capitalism. And if you're living under liberal democracy and capitalism, and you're, it's obviously, that is preferable, as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned, even as a leftist, to living under a dictatorship. But your life probably still sucks in in for a lot of people. So you still want some sort of explanation of some outside force that in this case is colluding with the US government or the US government is covering up.
0: Okay, and that's so aliens,
1: you- which is much more benign than Jews. <laughs> as a, As a, like, scapegoat.
0: Okay, so... Do you know what? I haven't really thought about it until you were saying that, and I'm going to push back slightly, right? So I think that what's happening is that there is a spectre Mm -hmm. haunting any conversation of aliens, and Mm -hmm. that's the Cold War, right? Yeah, sure. But that, you know... Even that is kind of rooted in a so like one of my first teaching gigs was on a course called War, uh, War, Terror, and Civilians, and mm-hmm. it was all about the how air, the concept of aerial bombardment has changed societies, like culturally, of course,
1: yeah. like destroys uh, borders, essentially, exactly, exactly, the, you,
0: and you know, you there are like really incredible and interesting like pieces of writing from the late 1800s, which are about like what happens when the flying machines come, like what yeah. are
1: the flying machines? Which is a reasonable thing to worry about, yeah, as it exa- turned out. Exactly,
0: you know? exactly. But there is something about how narratives around aliens develop under the kind of shadow, or, or not under the shadow, or in the context of the Cold War, essentially. Mm-hmm. So it is no surprise to me that Area 51 is right next to a huge nuclear testing base. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the fact that those two things are side by side makes sense. Equally, um, Roswell, which was, uh, there was like a, essentially, in 1947, there was like a flying object that mm. was identified in Roswell, and um, it basically was found by a local rancher who reported it to the police who reported it to the army the army found it they called it a flying saucer <laughs> then they changed their story and said it was a weather balloon and it created this whole thing and they kept changing their stories
1: sounds sauce to me yeah.
0: well exactly right but the fact that it was in 1947 which is like mm, at the kind of wow. height of like you know the soviet union testing its uh, nuclear power it's you know testing nuclear bomb There is obviously a kind of connection there between, you know, I don't think it's a a leap to say between the kind of global, mass global shifts and changes and, you know, these kind of like domestic incidents.
1: A displaced kind of fear of the object that's up there, because there's a very real one that might kill you and everybody you know.
0: So I think a projection onto the things that are up there because of that underlying fear, you know. So like here here at Cast Objects, we always talk about the mood, the feel, the cultural feel, right? Jonathan Hogg coined this amazing phrase called nuclearity about how, and it's one of my favorite favorite theories, favorite concepts, and it's how mm. nuclear culture permeated almost every single aspect of like right. popular culture life, right? So you see a weather balloon and because of the ongoing, like, you know, because of the Cold War tensions, you go, that could be a Cold War, that could be like mm. a, a thing. But it's also about a way of kind of getting away from, getting away from the Cold War, I guess, by, yeah, as yeah. you were saying, kind of displacing it somewhere else. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that specifically in Roswell, it wasn't until like the late 90s, or kind of mid-90s, I think, actually, that uh, the government were like, oh, actually, we're creating a little spying device to spy on Russia and how oh, they tested their nuclear facilities. Is that what facilities. it was? I just you didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um,
1: but that fact that um, what the, you know, mysterious aliens flying saucer at Roswell turned out to be actually the U.S. <laughs> sort of uh, Secret Service or like, you know, the the CIA or the are um, sort of creating their own secret flying device that they had to keep secret from the public speaks to the fact that a lot of conspiracy theories are, well, some conspiracy theories are true hmm. and that others... Um, are not far from the truth, but have just slightly renamed or repositioned some of the actors in it. Mm. So, you know, it's not an alien spacecraft that is being used covertly uh, to, you know, uh, to the denigration of the human race in the USA. It is a secret spacecraft that is being used by the U.S. to spy on ordinary civilians or, like, you know, just rather to spy on the, on the Russian state. You know, it's not far off being right in its own way. It's just there aren't little green men at the helm, Doing basically. It, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, do you know, okay, there are two things I wanted to say to that. So the first thing... And this is not something that I've ever thought about before. And it just came to me as you were talking. And I was like, yes, this is amazing. A thought, a thought. An original thought. An original have loads of original thoughts. But... <laughs> so one of them was, so obviously I'm, I'm a historian of memory, of how we use uh, the past or narratives around the past to create uh, narratives in the contemporary period mm. or, or, or historical period, right? And I think that certainly... So something that I think about quite a lot is how in Eastern Europe after 1989 with, you know, the fall of like the Soviet bloc, essentially, there were like eruptions of memory, almost. So, like, all of the mm. things that couldn't be spoken about during that period suddenly could be spoken it's about.
1: Like catharsis, yeah. yeah.
0: so, you know, you can talk about um, uh, massacres that were perpetuated by the mm. Soviets. You can talk about what happened in Hungary. You can talk about what happened in Prague or, or wherever, Unprocessed right?
1: trauma. Unprocessed yeah. trauma, you
0: can talk about that. And I wonder this kind of 90s alien moment, Ooh. whether that is the West or rather the, the US kind of memory event where all of the things that have happened during that Cold War period, Mm. the Red Scare, uh, the, I don't know. Cuban
1: Missile Crisis. Yeah, Yeah, all of
0: these deeply traumatic Mm. events, how they come to be articulated and termed. So, okay, there's a distrust of the state there, sure, because that's Mm. part of what happened earlier. But there is also something, I think, that maybe can be unpicked about the ways that aliens are framed. Or, Mm. you know, the X-Files in the 90s, It's about the fact that they can uncover this, Mm. rather than not being able to uncover it because they can't speak about it.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, is important. Yeah,
1: yeah, in that post
0: in that post eighty nine period. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That was my first thought. That's brilliant. And then my second thought was um, I just kind of I really wanted to go off of that thing that you were saying about conspiracy theories some of them being true mm. and some of them obviously being absolutely bonkers mm. but like what makes a conspiracy theory mm-hmm. how do we understand a conspiracy theory
1: and like where does you know i mean my my first answer as to the appeal is it's and this is an obvious point really but maybe just need stating is it's about powerlessness right it's about a feeling that you you know in a particularly in a increasingly irreligious or secular World, like you know, we are focusing on the West here, really, because uh, it's what we know about. Um, that there isn't a grand system of meaning, there isn't a higher power, there isn't um, you know a, a set of runes, a Bible, whatever that you that can explain everything to you. Um, you need another, you need another sort of structure of powers and forces um, to explain the world as it is, because. You know the world as it is isn't it, it, it's not satisfactory the the explanation that you have um on offer to you um i think
0: so it's a disenfranchisement, yeah, I think there's also a kind of inherent mistrust of the state and also yeah, and abs- or civil society, so I think sometimes there's an idea. you know it's and the media as well media like this is a, and- this is
1: a mass media age issue like Mm -hmm. as well like you know the conspiracy theories flourish with each new form of media and I think it's a point I really wanted to make today is like they didn't start in 2016 I think certain (laughs) people in our discourse in the UK really need reminding of that oh my god fake news suddenly exists and like you know like the Russians have fixed all of our elections and stuff and but yeah there's this sense that like fake news suddenly exists and uh, was invented yesterday and that you know, obviously it is right to worry about QAnon and, uh, you know, the way that that has infiltrated parts of the American political system now. There are American politicians that believe in this absolutely bonkers, like, conspiracy theory that, there, you know, that there is a secret liberal cabal of, like, of paedophiles who meet in a pizza restaurant in you know in new jersey if i and remember that, it right but, yeah. but i think it's worth emphasizing as well though that that's not new either like the idea that like people in power so you know I've made this point like conspiracy theories appeal to people who are powerless who want some other way of explaining the world and why it sucks for them but it also is located with the powerful a lot of the time you know the the, the call is coming from inside the house a lot of the mm-hmm. time Um, and that applies to, like, dictatorships, obviously, to, like, totalitarian regimes or, you know, very, always sort of based on, like, Falsely creating an other or an enemy within that is the reason that your life sucks, because it's gotta be displaced. It's all about Mm. displacing the kind of the the bad that isn't exists in the world. But it happens in democracies as well. And like I think we've mentioned McCarthyism already, maybe we haven't, but you know, the red scare Mm. in the nineteen fifties, where um, you know, in the the height first real peak of the Cold War. Um, with the Soviet Union, the idea that there were communists in positions of power in the U.S. who are seeking to undermine U.S. democracy from within. Let me just read this little quote from Senator McCarthy, who is the man behind McCarthyism, really. Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's not Love coincidence. Meet the man behind called. the name. <laughs> um, but yeah, he said, and I got this from a very famous essay um, in Harper's Magazine called "The Paranoid Style in American Politics," um, which is also about Nixon. But yeah, here's his Senator McCarthy. Um, so, you know, a, a man at the absolute heart of the American establishment speaking. Um, he says, How can we account for our present situation unless we believe that men high in this government are concerting to deliver us to disaster? This must be the product of a great conspiracy on a scale so immense as to dwarf any previous such venture in the history of man. A conspiracy of infamy so black that when it is finally exposed, its principles shall be forever deserving of the maledictions of all honest men. What can be made of this unbroken series of decisions and acts contributing to the strategy of defeat? They cannot be attributed to incompetence. And so for him, because it's often like cock-up or conspiracy is a question mm, that is mm. sometimes asked as a shorthand for like, mm. why did this happen? Is it because nefarious plans were going on? Or is it just because actually there is another way of explaining uh, sort of bad things that happen in the world? And it's that like, you know, human beings are flawed and they make mistakes, basically. Mm, mm. And for him, it's absolutely not that, you know, the, the, the existence of communists anywhere in the US is is part of a... A pattern of uh, that. Well, he said he literally calls it a conspiracy. There is a conspiracy mm-hmm. to, um, to you know, to destroy. Capitalism and democracy in the U.S., which
0: like, is there any wonder there's conspiracy theories when literally so much yeah. domestic policy is also hinged on yes. on on finding or 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 the rhetoric of conspiracy yeah
1: absolutely absolutely it goes all the way to the top you know it go, the, <laughs> by which I mean the conspiracy theories go all the way to the top you absolutely. know I mean you could say that about Brexit as well you could say that that you know s- some of the stuff perpetuated by uh, right wing media owned by like you know, billionaires um, in cahoots with certain factions in the Conservative Party who are very much the establishment, mm. uh, you know, spread a bunch of myths about um, about what the EU was doing,
0: mm-hmm. about
1: how much it was costing Britain, you yeah. know, and so on. Yeah. And that's, you know, that starts with Boris Johnson as a Daily Telegraph reporter in the 1990s, notoriously. He's the one that, invent- that you know, in order to get more headlines and to appease his, you know... Idiot boss back in London starts making up the sort of stories about straightening bananas and stuff, Mm -hmm. and then everyone else has to copy him because Mm -hmm. you know that because their editors are demanding it too. You know, like this stuff doesn't organically arise. Mm. Sometimes it does, maybe. Sometimes it does, but it doesn't always organically arise from you know uneducated, stupid masses. But but quite the contrary, like they are seeded from on high. Mm. you know, um, and distributed through mass media.
0: Right, so. Yes. We've had a few discussions here on, we kind of touched on some conspiracy theories and, you know, what form and shape they might take, how they kind of are perpetuated. Mm. And I just kind of wondered, Dan, what are your besties and worsties conspiracy (laughs) theories?
1: (laughs) My fav my sort of faves and sort of most haters. Yeah. Right. So I would say well my fav favorites kind of speak to the same era we've been talking about of the nineties. Mm. Um I was talking to a fellow Xenil about this the other day. You don't hear much about the Bermuda Triangle anymore.
0: Oh my God! Why I was do you not? Say this. <laughs> yeah, wh- where has it gone? Say this. Do you know what it I actually think? It itself has disappeared. I think it. I think it disappeared when S Club Seven did a film about going into the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> no, they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and I they can't. went back in time because the Bermuda <laughs> Triangle one of. What a cultural artifact! I know. I know. It's one of my faves as well because it's just like I just remember watching this S Club Seven film as a child. Or do they
1: go on a boat into? They like- went on
0: a boat and then they went back in time, and I can't. I Wait, can't remember. but not much. really,
1: right? They didn't really go back in time.
0: I mean, I think they. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure whether they did really or not. I we mean, we do, do think about time quite a lot on this podcast. We do so need so to do a time travel episode. Rachel Stevens at some point. looks like she's going back in
1: time. She <laughs> is smoking. <laughs> what, a, what an excellent comment! It's a shame Heat Magazine doesn't you know, exist anymore. It would have been perfect for that. But yes, like the I had a I had like a picture book when I was about seven or eight which had little stories about things like, I think it was like Mysteries of the Unexplained mm. or something mm. like that. Unexplained Mysteries, whatever. It, it There was a lot of stuff about The Bermuda Triangle, which if you if you don't know, so I'm pleased you've even heard of it actually, Kasia, because I wondered if it was only situated in the mid 90s and then sort of disappeared forever. But the idea was that like boats and planes kept going missing there, presumably because of alien abduction, as opposed to like choppy seas or whatever. You know, there's always the mundane explanation is always much less interesting. The Mary
0: Celeste.
1: Oh, what's the conspiracy though?
0: That there was a boat and it went into the Bermuda Triangle. Did it? And then yeah, so I Mary I'm Celest- like, I mean, I know sure.
1: why. Yeah, okay. No, and it goes much. into
0: the Bermuda Triangle. And then everyone and then disappears. Everyone disappears. Right. But, the, but there's like half-eaten food, and it's still warm. Oh, but I there's see. There's no one
1: there. So alien abduction again. Yeah, yeah I see. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't actually realise what the. I just I'm sort of aware of the Mary Celeste as a metaphor, but I hadn't actually connected to the Bermuda Triangle. I guess the other like favourite one, relatedly to all of this alien stuff, is crop circles. Which has there ever been a more benign? And sort of sweet conspiracy theory. <laughs> it's like some farmers, just... so, yeah, but some farmers have made these beautiful patterns in their in mm. their crops. And be, being a farmer, I say this as a you know lifelong city dweller, must be quite hard work, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they probably work quite long, long hours, hard. long hours, quite monotonous, mm. not much company apart mm. from cows. Mm. Um, Wouldn't you want to like, you know, express your creativity a little bit more? Mm. Wouldn't you want a little bit of attention for your, you know, humdrum life of like feed, you know, like plowing, tilling the fields to like provide grain for people?
0: they never so mention they, it. They never mention it on The Archers, though, which is how I know
1: there, it, there's no crop circles plotline. Well, I, I don't. Maybe, know.
0: There, was mean, the maybe there was in the 90s. maybe there was in the nineties. I mean, it's been
1: running for ages, and it's always, you know, the point of The Archers is like originally was to sort of get government policy across, yeah. right? About for,
0: disseminate uh, narratives around farming. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Which they continue to do, even with like the foot and mouth uh, mm-hmm. crisis, like mm-hmm. you know. Make it clear to people who are you know listening in rural areas how to deal with that um so I would hope they were they at some point would in the nineties covered crop circles. so it'd be a,
0: it'd be a kind of like missed opportunity if they did yeah it right? would, it would.
1: Yeah. that's a that's a great plot line right yeah. um but yeah th- so those are my faves i think those are those are two that just seem quite sweet and don't mm-hmm. you know don't seem to have any obvious sort of uh kind of couched anti-Semitism or like <laughs> immigrant phobia always or whatever good. you know there's always a, a lot of conspiracy theories end up coming back to some sort of like actually horrible hateful prejudice yeah. in way or another yeah, yeah. and I can't really see how crop circles do that's just that's just a bit of fun isn't it, it, is. it's um, sweet. it and is I think sweet. my least favorites um or well, kind of I mean least favorite, you know pet hate should we say because obviously there are some genuinely horrible, horrible and pernicious and things ones, you know yeah. um but Uh, the ones that sort of centrist liberals that were up in arms about Jeremy Corbyn being leader of the Labour Party, confected during his time as leader of Labour so Mm -hmm. there was, I don't know how many of these you remember but Corbyn voted leave. That was a huge one. Yeah. That again, and all of these that I'm going to mention were perpetuated by established journalists who work for major mainstream publications, which again is like the call is coming from inside the house. These mm-hmm. are people who for who who will be up in arms about fake news sites and, you know, disinformation and propaganda, and yet are quite happy to use their personal Twitter accounts, but with their blue ticks and so mm-hmm. on, to say. I have it on very good authority that Corbyn voted Leave. You know, yeah. this was the political edge of the New Statesman uh, tweeted this uh, uh, shortly after the referendum, and people lapped it up. Of course, people lapped it up because you know people who um, were pro Remain and hate Corbyn. It explained a lot, and it gave them a hate figure. Yeah how could you possibly know what he wrote in the, in yeah. a, a secret yeah. ballot? Yeah. Uh, you know, he said he wrote. He's not going to tell the
0: person from the New States, man. Yeah, That's exactly.
1: for certain. Ex- exactly. And, um, but, that, but that really, I think, seeded itself into a particular, like, Romaniac uh, mm. mindset. Um, the same people were lapping up. There's there two more I've written down, but I think there was a whole bunch of them. One was that he was, and this is, this is a big one, he was a secret agent for the Stasi, yeah. and the Stasi and all the... Famously,
0: Star- they loved courgettes. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> they what, loved allotments. They loved, like,
1: really, like, you know, sort of disenfranchised backbench Labour MPs that nobody <laughs> ever listened to. Like, that's exact, that's the best <laughs> if route to power. Do it, if you were yeah, going to do yeah, it. Yeah, okay. yeah. You just have this, like, mild-mannered backbencher that, like, had, you know, was basically just a local politician, had no effect on on, on the actual sort of mainstream of his party whatsoever. Um, but, yeah, they, you know... This, this was all over the papers for a while that, that like, you know, because there were claims from a clearly bonkers um, uh, former like Czech secret agent who clearly had a screw loose. You know, I say that with, Mm. Not using very sort of mental health sympathetic language there, for which I apologise. But you know, this this guy was not remotely credible, is what yeah. I should say. Yeah. Um, uh, and yet it was it was repeated everywhere, and this sort of stuff does get out into the popular consciousness, even if ultimately it ends up being debunked because it's obviously nonsense, mm-hmm. which it was. And mm-hmm. like in in the end, can you believe this? The Stasi like record keepers had to come out and say like no we, we can't no. we can't believe we're having to do this but okay <laughs> since you keep harassing since british journalists keep fucking harassing us no there is not a stasi file on jeremy Corbyn. um <laughs> And, and then the final one, and this is the, the the most ridiculous of all, that he hadn't really read Ulysses. <laughs> so he's, he was asked what his favourite book was. He said James Joyce's Ulysses, which to some people is, you know, notoriously difficult. To others, uh, to others it's like it's like no, okay, it's a slightly it's an unusual modernist novel. It's quite long, but it's also perfectly readable. I I, don't know, I haven't read it. I've read Portrait of the Artist, and I love that. Uh, I haven't gone any further into Joyce's uh, more difficult books, but. There was numerous journalists who were like, I, I just appalled. Like, Jeremy Corbyn has not read Ulysses. There is no way. He is just being pretentious here. This is unbelievable. I, I'm so angry about this. One of them was like, I will challenge him to a Ulysses off anytime, anywhere to like test on lunch. Uh, Just so embarrassed. Why are you doing this?
0: So embarrassed. Just shows so much about the state of political discourse. <laughs> it really does. It's yeah. really depressing. Can't, can't,
1: just, can't just like take this as, as a statement of fact yeah we, yeah
0: no that's that's particularly um
1: I don't believe you when example. you say this is your favorite book I mean what an absurd I know. absurd I know. part but of like, discourse
0: it's like what would what would Corbyn lying about that get him what yeah, that he yeah. just says that he's read a long book
1: yeah yeah like, yeah <laughs> but and it comes from like snobbery ultimately because he didn't go to university or mm. didn't suddenly didn't finish a degree um and you know they were like there are like substantial parts of the british establishment that just wanted any excuse to have a have a pop at him
0: see because the thing is is that like so like one of my favorite conspiracy theories just because i think it's it's just like so off the wall is you know when you go down youtube rabbit holes i really i'm a big fan of like Nicki minaj is the lizard
1: Yeah, now now, not now, I just love stuff like that. What?
0: Because I think the whole lizard thing in general is really funny. Because again, it's this kind of like conspiracy that there's. Like, oh, do you know what? Humans aren't capable of of unleashing all of the misery and devastation. Right. So let's say the royal family and or Nicki Minaj are lizards, because that implies some kind of like what? Like doesn't clandestine it, lizard group.
1: <laughs> doesn't, it, doesn't it, sorry, not to ruin your, your high here, but does it not dovetail with like anti-Semitism quite often? Like along with the Illuminati stuff, although I guess that's all sensibly about Masons. I haven't delved yeah. into this world too deeply because it is quite depressing. But, I but think, like,
0: okay, do you know David
1: what? Ike? You know is sort of the the figurehead, at the, yeah. So, and, yeah, you know he's astonishingly popular. Like as is Alex Jones on the US side.
0: Okay, so to highlight that, basically, I'm not, you know. My interest in Nicki Minaj being a lizard is just because it's obviously mad. Yeah, I appreciate (laughs) that. Just because there are like little YouTube videos that are like, you see the way her eye moves in this, in this clip, then yeah, she's obviously a lizard. The contortions people go through. Well, yeah, because, you know, she's like, she's... She's got, like, a very clear, like, personality and style. So, like, Mm. people are trying to ascribe that to anything. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, obviously, like, I wouldn't... I I don't condone the wider list of conspiracy theory. sure, sure. You're
1: not not an IKEA. I'm not an (laughs) IKEA. yeah.
0: But what I do think, and you've touched on this, and this is something that I have been thinking a lot about in terms of conspiracy theories. So, in cultural studies, and and you talk a lot about the feel, the mood, the constellation of things. Right,
1: they help us understand a period. Yeah,
0: yeah, they help us understand a period. So if we're talking about the nineteen sixties, we don't just talk about shag pile carpets. Or nineteen seventies, we're not talking about shagpile carpets and and uh, lava lamps. Yeah, we're also kind of talking about how that fits in with like wider, yeah. wider, wider things that we can see, wider patterns, wider cultural objects, etc. And I actually think that a lot of conspiracy theorists also create a constellation of disparate stories mm-hmm. that are unconnected mm-hmm. and they link these stories together mm-hmm. to create a sense of a mood of their age. So in a way, mm-hmm. I feel like conspiracy theorists are the anti-cultural studies of our era.
1: Interesting. Because... because they're using some of the same techniques, but, but sort of uh, the things they're pulling... Well, the way that they're pulling them together is into a narrative that is a fantasy ultimately.
0: Essentially, yeah. So yeah. what they kind of do is they'll take a story which is like um I don't know, the Clintons link with Jeffrey Epstein and mm. then they'll add that to the Sackler Sackler family like, you know, basically flooding um America with opioids and then they'll connect that with um I don't know a whole range of other. It's the bits events. of string
1: on the corkboard in yes. the always sunny. It's always sunny meme. Yeah.
0: Yes, and it's not that these stories don't exist or that they're not connected in any way, but mm. the conclusions that they then draw from sure. those is okay. Right, so Clinton's and Jeffrey Epstein plus Sackler family and opioids plus mm-hmm. I don't know uh, Rochdale grooming gangs or or whatever, and then they that equals. Uh, jewish people run the world or the masons are controlling everything or aliens so i think it's like they create a constellation of things to create those narratives that i just think is i think is really obviously really dangerous for many reasons but it kind of just got me thinking about the ways that they we look at them when we see them as like fringe and fanatics but they must look at us and think that we're not we're not seeing the bigger picture. We're not. Mm-hmm. We're not actually doing the critical work. Like yeah. we see ourselves as critical thinkers, me and you, Dan. They probably see us as lightweight, and we <laughs> see them as mad. Do you well, know what I mean? Well, so
1: yeah. I mean, there was there was somebody that I interviewed once for a uh, long piece on veganism, who was really lovely, really helpful, giving me great quotes and advice and tips on the article on veganism. But then subsequently started sending me emails of other things that I ought to get into the Guardian, and. um, I mean, and it, you know, I feel sorry for the guy, to be quite honest, because it is batshit stuff. But what's surprising is not that there are people out there that are very lovely in person and then have batshit views on some mm-hmm. things. What was surprising to me was the sheer level of detail in mm-hmm. every email. Like these are incredibly, incredibly, like thousands of words. And then absolutely littered with references like academic style referencing almost with footnote just like a million footnotes to prove things because because for a conspiracist like that um it's not enough to say you know uh like 5g uh is created by bats to disseminate um covid COVID. i I may not have got uh, one (laughs) completely right right? Right. but it's it's something like that isn't it you know it's not enough to say that to just say that you have to show you're working Mm -hmm. in a way that is more comprehensive more detailed more fact-based more rational um than the people that you're disagreeing with you have to, like, perform that those acts of, like, research and rationality and stuff. Mm. You know, I had a, I had a friend... Um, but can
0: I just say, it's yeah, interesting good. because it's implicitly embedded outside of established structures and institutions so Mm -hmm. you're saying academic style referencing but it's not academic papers because an academic probably wouldn't write that or it might be but it's a discredited academic do you see what I mean wouldn't
1: pass peer review yeah (laughs) well that's that's (laughs)
0: the thing so it's like interesting because it copies these structures that of of established practices Mm. for example in academia but uses different sources and I think that people that are invested in that see that as not as Mm. uh something that detracts from their views they they see it as something that actually adds to their views because they're anti-establishment in them
1: yeah absolutely and i think it's been i think it's become common in the last few years to sort of ascribe conspiracism to the far left and the far right okay like and you know you can see where what conspiracy theories would be ascribed to them in, in each case quite easily um the you know the talk of, talk about a new world order about a secret cabal that's running the world, you know you that fits more e- you know fairly easily into certain modes of right wing thought and so you know like the Jews are running the world whatever it might be the liberal conspiracy is running the world the great replacement theory is going to eradicate white people from the west and so on or on the left that you know uh, there is you know there are powerful wealthy individuals who run the world in studying the conspiracy theories that that pop up in far left and far right uh, political parties, social movements and stuff, which is, you know, that is a valid thing to do, an important Mm -hmm. thing to do. And I think, you know, concerns about the prevalence of QAnon type conspiracism at the moment uh, in the US particularly are, are really valid, like that does have an effect on the political process. It's not just a few fringe weirdos in their basements. Mm-hmm. Um but what we have what we've really seen in the last few years though is that this can affect people across the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know, that the uh the sort of you know centrist establishment remain voting, middle class, liberal city dwelling, uh, you know, I'm doing a caricature, but we need to, <laughs> in some cases, um, the, for those people, you know, those silly Corbyn conspiracies that I talked about, or the idea that Russia did Brexit, or Russia did, you know, like Trump, um, created, you know, it are as silly and reductive. It doesn't mean that there aren't connections, they're worth exploring, um, that, you know, that Russian bots and troll farms aren't, uh, and disinformation aren't, dangerous and need analysis and combating at the same time. But they have been built up into a sort of a a much grander kind of canopy of, Mm. like, power Mm. that explains why things are going wrong for the, you know, the the person that, you know, is believing in the conspiracy theory.
0: Okay, so I think this is where I'm slightly more conspiracy theory-minded than you. Okay. Because... I think because of my subjective experience and my history, specifically as as someone who's Polish, mm. I think that the stories, specifically around Russia, are more readily. I'm 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 more ready to believe them sure. than you are. I yeah, think. Yeah. Like I, it's it's interesting how like past like intergenerational traumas yeah, create a particular contemporary view on the world. I guess. Sure. So for example to go back to the brexit thing you know even if there was some r- russian interference and it affected the vote even a little bit i mean the vote was it was percentages in the vote right but it's a but mil- million
1: people but yeah yeah <laughs> yeah okay, million
0: people but but i think what's really crucial here is that to focus on that 1% or however many percent or Two. less yeah I think that completely detracts from the real reasons why Brexit happened. Yeah. It's like, how can you find the most clandestine, most shadowy reason why this might have tipped things over the edge when actually there are far greater issues to address here, which are like xenophobia, like misinformation about the European Union, as you say, trotted out from literally the prime (laughs) Prime minister. the, The mass
1: abandonment of like, you know, former industrial working class towns in the Midlands and the North, like the ones that voted most overwhelmingly to leave. Um, you know, there, yeah. Like, I, I guess this is a, a statement that again is key to everything I think about conspiracy theories that I haven't said yet. Which is like, guess what? The material conditions of how like politics and economics works and affects people is often the best explanation for why people believe in stuff that is patently untrue. Mm-hmm. Um, for what it's worth, like, I'm, I'm, my fairly uneducated and i haven't i'm not an expert in this stuff my fairly uneducated view on like russian involvement in foreign elections is yeah i'm sure they've been trying i mean they've clearly been trying mm-hmm. like just like the u.s has uh, su- mm. much more successfully yeah and uh, over the last you know 100 years um in in, in, that, in rigging elections in their favor i'm sure the i'm sure 100%. putin would have loved to have loved to have pulled that off i don't i think it is a it's worth thinking about and analyzing and and acknowledging that the presence of that, of those, you know, those conspiratorial efforts on the part of the Putin government, um, just not to the detriment of the much more important stuff, which in the case of Brexit is all those things Mm. we're talking about the material conditions on the ground that motivate people to vote for something that in a lot of cases, uh, harmed their communities, Mm. um, directly, um, in some cases didn't you know like if you're a middle-class shire dwelling Tory who you know hates the bloody the bloody frogs over there then then you're not doing it really because of your because it's going to benefit you materially um or even in spite of the fact that it's you know it's, it's not really going to have, and a, a, have material a holiday effect. home in France it's pure it's identity politics <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. yeah a lot of those a lot of those people will have a holiday for home in France absolutely mm-hmm. Um there, I actually I've composed a little quiz because it's a thing we do now and then in Cursed objects for you Kesha, in which mm-hmm. you uh to challenge your your wits and intellect. <laughs> um and it's based on a YouGov survey from 2019 I think um about uh, of British people and the extent to which they believe in any particular conspiracy theories. So I'm going to give you the conspiracy theory and you have to tell me what you think what percentage of people think it's true. Okay. I mean, start with the with the most awful one. Uh, the official account of the Nazi Holocaust is a lie, and the number of Jews killed by the Nazis during World War II has been exaggerated on purpose. So Holocaust denial, effectively. No. What percentage of people? No, I know this is. This. We'll, we'll get some, <laughs> and you know, Kasia works for the Holocaust Educational Trust, and um, yeah, it's not it's not it's not a fun subject, but it does exist in the world, and you know, it's probably worth acknowledging at the end of a really fun episode that some of these are, are a lot less fun. What percentage would you say?
0: I'm going to say 15.
1: It's two. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's it's, it's, it's a bit of a relief. Woo! But, but, um, okay, let's go with... Uh, the AIDS virus was created and spread around the world on purpose by a secret group or organisation. Oh,
0: no. Um, I'm they, do, go, they do
1: get a bit lighter. I'm going to go 2%. This. Actually, maybe they don't. 4%. Right, okay. Um... The idea of man-made global warming is a hoax that was invented to deceive people. Ten. That's seven percent. Mm-hmm. Okay, more on the topic of the episode. Humans have made contact with aliens, and this fact has been deliberately hidden from the public. Uh, Ten.
0: Eight
1: percent. Oh, creeping up. Um, and okay, this is another very topical one. The truth about the harmful effects of vaccines is being deliberately hidden from the public. So anti-vax politics very much in the news at the moment. 15. I, was, I think it's probably worth saying this was before COVID oh, okay. um, as well. Um, Five. It, it's te- 10%. Okay. Um, and then so these are all I was, I was gonna say pleasingly low. Obviously it still sucks that, mm. you know, but this is not. And, and, you know, we have to take every poll with a pinch of salt. Like, Mm -hmm. when I was Googling for, like, polls of how many people believe in conspiracy theories, you can find some that are, like, 33% of people believe that Princess Diana was murdered by the state. Um, And sort of then you drill into it and you're like, oh, this was produced by a market research company, not an actual opinion pollster, for a Sky History uh, TV-like series about... Um, conspiracy theories and... Then picked
0: uh, up in, like, the mirror.
1: Can we just have a minute as historians to just uh, acknowledge how bad Sky History is? (laughs) Since underneath this poll that I found on the Sky History website, they actually literally have a headline which is... Five compelling 9/11 conspiracy theories. Oh, no. It's like you're a History Channel. How are you going to call them compelling? Like you know, even I mean, they they do like dwelling on that stuff because it is of interest to people. It is popular. Um, I know we haven't talked about 9/11 much today, but let's do that another time. That's a that's a whole episode in itself. Mm. I think. I'm I'm going to jump to like the the final one of these of these uh, statements, which I want you to 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 give a a number for even though we live in what's called a democracy a few people will always run things in this country anyway mm,
0: i'm going to go with
1: 15 44% <laughs> and who's to argue with them to be quite honest well, this like is the you, thing. you know that is an ill-defined one you know and there's there's obviously like you could say it's a short leap from being like um People in power will all will continue to have power and continue to give power to their mates with power. Mm. You know, I had a guardian push alert this morning saying, you know, new revelations about Michael Gove's um, kind of handing out contracts to his yeah. mates. And he's like, yeah, of course he did. Like that's that's literally that's not a that's not that's a that's a conspiracy theory which is verifiably con- not, true not, yeah, up a con- to a point. Yeah. Obviously, the, I was going to say, you know, is you, it can be a short leap for some people from acknowledging those like observable, provable realities to like. Um, you know, the a Jewish Masonic Bolshevik yeah. conspiracy of, of, of a few people is running the world as opposed to like, no, it's in plain sight, it's right in front of you. Even, even <laughs> They're like, in office. Well, yeah. even
0: just beyond that, you know, the fact that we have a private school system like Etern, like, of course, something mm-hmm. like that it shows that like there are a particular class of people who are basically there's just a pipeline straight to government, right? So yeah. it's not it's not. I don't think
1: it's almost like do you believe in meritocracy?
0: Well, this is the thing. <laughs> I guess this is the thing that I'm just like trying to. I've I've been trying to think about. I'm unpicking quite a lot in this, which is, you know, when is a. Because both you and I are critical of the state of organisations. We would hold the state to account, organisations to account. We would acknowledge injustices as they happen. But I wonder, you know, how do... I'm interested in the leap. How do you get from the things that we acknowledge as being real? You know, Mm -hmm. the fact that, like... I don't know. Politicians have dodgy politics, mm. and the state has done unspeakable uh, criminal acts on certain members of its of its population. Yeah, you know, how do we go from that, or how do some people go from that to just that little leap over the river into like full?
1: The best answer country? I have is like from the one mate I ever had that got quite into one particular conspiracy theory, and he, as far as I know, that was the only one, but it was when we were about 22 and we were both working really boring admin jobs after uni, like for like temping basically. And he got really into like a web based conspiracy about the sower murders, which is another like just horrible subject. So there's not just, I don't know, just take, just take what you're being told in the papers. I don't just know leave why. leave it alone. Yeah. Like, but you know, the, they were killed, like they were murdered, like somewhere near like a British military site. Right. Okay. In, in wherever it was like Cambridgeshire or something. Um, and, you know, he got really into uh, that same thing of like the detail of like mm. incredibly, you know, minute analysis of, you know, what the grass looked like alongside this fence by the. Um, and it was just because he was really bored. Like he's a smart guy, like had a uni degree, like you know, um, more broadly, just not a gullible person. Yeah, he's just really fucking bored, and yeah. uh, that's that's my very banal answer for how some people can make the leap. And you know, I remember us t- telling him in the pub, like, yeah, mate, you, you realize you sound a bit, you know, a bit tinfoil hat here. You know, trying to be gentle because you don't want to be like I'm casting you out, yeah, like yeah. because you've lost the, pl- like you want you want your mate to come to their senses which he did mm. but he was just really bored <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe that's the fault of capitalism <laughs> sure that's the nice way to end any
1: episode really isn't it
0: right okay then well I'm going to take this colander off of my head <laughs> and make some pasta with
1: it <laughs> <laughs> we'll rinse it out first um and I'm I'm gonna keep my skeptical hat on but uh, but be open to some of the things I see in the sky On the way home. Uh, Not sky sky history. Not sky history, no. Just unidentified flying objects. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Um, As usual, we're going to remind you to join us on Twitter or on Instagram for extra content and, uh, you know, alien-related fun. But also to hit up our Patreon uh, because, as we keep reminding you, uh, when this series finishes uh, in a couple of weeks... We are then going to move to be doing sort of alternating some free episodes mm. and some paid for episodes because we want to make this sustainable and keep doing it. Basically, it's a lot of fun.
0: Also, I have a really growing bill from all of these little alien babies that have just been spawned from this egg. I don't know what happened. I don't know how I got the formula right. What child
1: support is hitting you on It's hitting me hard. Ouch. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Take Thanks care.
0: Bye.